0: Welcome to Slow and Steady, the podcast where you get to follow along as we figure out how to build and run a SaaS. I'm Benedict. Today is November thirteenth, and this is episode number seventeen. Brian is on vacation, so I'm joined by a special guest. It's uh, Peter Zoom of uh, Branch. Hey, Peter.
1: Hey, Benedict. How are you doing? I'm good. I thought I was gonna do the whole "Hi, I'm Peter, and I'm feeling whatever"
0: <laughs> thing. So how are you, how are you feeling? <laughs>
1: I'm feeling it, man.
0: You're I'm feeling I'm excited it.
1: to be in this. Uh, this podcast, and I'm not the one who's going to edit it.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's going to be me. Um, but I hope, <laughs> I, let, let's hope I don't have to do a lot of editing.
1: <laughs> oh, you don't know me then.
0: <laughs> so interesting, uh, uh, fun fact. Um, I was on your podcast a couple of weeks ago. Oh, actually, now it's actually a couple of months. But I feel like it was one of the things that started getting me back into podcasting. So thanks for that.
1: Yeah, I take credit for that.
0: Yeah, you absolutely can. Like, it, it, was, uh, it was so much fun that I decided, hey, I, I should probably do a podcast again. And yeah. um, out of pure luck, Brian apparently was also thinking about starting another podcast. And I think Jane connected to both of us and ended up doing this one.
1: Nice. Yeah, I listen yeah. to it every week. <laughs> Thank you. I know you. my co-host Matt listens as well while he walks his dog in the morning.
0: Oh, nice! So, hi Matt. <laughs> hi Matt, Stork. <laughs> <laughs> so, your podcast is called Out of Beta, right?
1: Yeah, that's right.
0: When did you like? How how did you start it?
1: Um, well, we started it because uh, we were going to be in Tiny Seed, and uh, both Matt and I thought about how we kind of wanted to document that a little bit, and um, like you know, we we're enjoying the other podcasts in the in this little bootstrapper niche that we we're in, and um, a lot of people were saying that they wanted more of these kinds of shows. Um so it just felt like there was like <laughs> almost like a market for it, but then at the same time, you know, Matt and I we talk all day long in Slack anyways and it's like it's a nice way to catch up and yeah, maybe we don't share like the juiciest details in the in the podcast but still like it's a nice way to share our progress and especially for Matt it's like, you know, people listening to the podcast is like a lot of them are in his target audience as well as for his product summit.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, so what juicy details are you leaving out? <laughs>
1: well, that's uh, that's going to be paid extra material later on, so I wouldn't be able to share it here.
0: <laughs> okay, fair <laughs> enough. So um, you're in Tiny Seed with uh, uh, your recent product called Branch, right? Um, how, how did you... Get to building branch and branch is a continuous integration platform for WordPress. Did I get that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm trying to like figure out these days if that's actually the best positioning for it, because um, a lot of people in the WordPress space probably don't know what continuous integration means. So right now I'm kind of like saying you can use it even if you don't know what that means, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the best positioning right now. But yeah, it's like basically like a Travis CI or a Circle CI, but specifically for the WordPress use case. And then it has a pretty heavy focus on deployment as well. So it's like build, test, and deploy your WordPress projects. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I built it because I had um, another product for WordPress called WP Pusher, which has uh, been like a side project for me um, for the past, yeah, it's like four years, something like that, um, um, which is a deployment tool for WordPress. And it's just a WordPress plugin. So it's not a big fancy SaaS um, product. It's just a plugin that people download and install to their WordPress sites. And then once they do that, WP Pusher the plugin can basically fetch all their updates from GitHub or Bitbucket or wherever they host their code. Um, so it's fairly popular in the WordPress uh, space. A lot of people know about it. Um, but it's not something I've been able to do full time. Um are yeah, then branch is basically like the big vision where it's like it has a lot more features and um, yeah, it tries to like Solve some of the problems that people are running into with WP Pusher. Like, what if I don't want to, you know, upload all my dependencies? And what if I have some tests I want to run before I do a deployment? Um, stuff like that. So, because it's a SaaS, I can do a lot more. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that's kind of why I decided to build it.
0: So, but you said like uh, the, a lot of people don't get it, like in the WordPress community. How do you how do you try to overcome that? Like, do you, do you think like the position isn't right or? I think to do about that.
1: There's a lot of talk about these things in the WordPress community right now. There's a lot of like leveling up. I think, which is what I'm trying to like basically uh, bang on a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think actually in WordPress right now, there's actually a lot of people looking for like a continuous integration solution for their products, even though they don't really understand what it is, and that's maybe why they're finding it hard to start using something like Circle CI. I mean, I've been a developer for a long time, and I've been using other tools like circle ci on my own projects for a long time and i still find them really complicated.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, being in the wordpress space it's like first of all when you look at all people doing wordpress websites a lot of them aren't really developers and then even when you look at the developers a lot of them are like self-taught or you know i mean they didn't have like computer science degrees and stuff like that so i mean there's a lot of these things that can be a little intimidating if you have to learn it all from scratch. Um, so yeah, so, I think my job is to build a tool that's also educational.
0: That's uh-huh. the thing. So it's like the my very first continuous integration tool. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: if WordPress is your very first like but the thing is, like with WP Pusher, I have agencies using that plugin. Even though it's a thim- simple plugin, they use it on like two hundred and fifty different client sites. It's like it's a pretty it's pretty significant
0: mm.
1: tool for them and it's like a big important thing part of their workflow. And um yeah, so I mean, there are people doing uh, WordPress websites for yeah. a living and they should have tools like this available is what I think.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's interesting. So it sounds like you have like two different types of customers then, right? Like one, one the very professional agencies who realize, hey, we need a tool like this and um, branch is probably the easiest for for WordPress because like it knows about WordPress and yeah. you don't have to... I don't know. Configure Travis CI until it actually deploys WordPress applications. Yeah, yeah, and the other ones are people who just like want to level up their WordPress development skills and feel like they should look into this new buzzword called continuous integration. So,
1: yeah, I mean, on one end of the spectrum, you have like really advanced agencies. They're already using like Buddy or Travis or something like that, and it's like they have some pains around that where it's not really built for WordPress. And the, the, mm-hmm. on the complete different end of the spectrum, is like people who, you know, they're using Git. That's like the lowest, like if you're not using Git, you can't really use my product. But they're yeah. using Git because they understand that it's nice to have version control of your code. But it's like, you know, they, they're sitting on their computers and running all their build scripts locally and like committing it to a Git repository and trying to push it from there. And it's like, you know, they start to think, hey, there must be a better way for me to do this. Like I don't like being in this weird like FTP client thing that they gave me, and that's when they start to look for solutions and they find WP Pusher or hopefully branch. Um
0: Yeah. So how do you, how do people find you these days? Like, is it mostly via organic search? Like, basically WordPress continuous integration, or are you using I mean, some different tactic?
1: I definitely hope this interview is gonna. Um, you know, change things. Um, no. Um, so, I mean, I haven't really started marketing this tool very hard yet. So basically, I think I'm still... I'm basically still on like my launch tweet or my announcement tweet, uh, which was exactly a year ago, um, where I basically had only a very simple prototype that only worked on my local machine. Um, and I wrote a manifesto because that's what you have to do in these... <laughs> uh, circles, and I put it online, and a lot of people. I think that tweet has more than sixty thousand um, people. More than sixty thousand people saw it on Twitter. So nice. it, it it ended up with quite a lot of engagement, and that's kind of like you know those some of those people signed up to an early access list. So you know, basically, the only two ways I've found like users so far is like basically people who've seen that on Twitter or people who know me from WP Pusher.
0: So it's like the next level up from WP Pusher. And then people... like It's basically an evolution of the previous product, right?
1: Yeah, in a sense, yeah. WP Pusher is like 10% of branch.
0: Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, And are you eventually planning to retire the plugin or is it always going to be like the free option? Like you have a free plan, so that's probably... I think there's still
1: a, a... I mean, W Pusher is still justified. It's very simple, and for a simple use case, it's still like what I would use myself. Um, so there's definitely it definitely still has its place. I think what I might do one day, like I could see W Pusher just be, you know, like a thing that's provided by a Branch potentially for free as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, no. I mean, W Pusher is an important piece of my runway right now, together with the Tiny yeah. Seed money. So yeah. uh, I'm not going to touch that anytime soon.
0: Um, I think you mentioned it. How long are you uh, running WP pusher four years or something like that?
1: Yeah, around four years, I think it's been on the side like I've done tons of different things in the meantime um, but w pusher is just like kind of survived on its own, like even if there's been a year where I haven't really touched it or done anything. so there's been no like development on that product for like two or three years. Um, mm-hmm. It's just like you know, a support email once in a while. And that's, that's kind of
0: it. What did you do like, uh, other than WP Pusher, like while that was running on the side was what, you, what was your main gig during that time?
1: Um, in 2015, I was starting a, a startup with some friends in Denmark and um, we were actually, we thought it, it was going to be like our big thing. Um,
0: we that's actually always... pitched
1: it to a German, uh, startup accelerator, Axel Springer, if you know that one, uh, uh in yeah. Berlin. So, um, but eventually, like that, didn't really work out. It was it wasn't the ideal co-founder team either. Um, I learned a lot. I almost sold the pusher for 10k at that time because I wanted to d- go full time on the um, the new thing. And W Pusher was super early, and it's like it only mm-hmm. had a little bit of revenue. I'm so glad I didn't do that. Yeah. Um, and then after that, like I've been freelancing, especially with one startup called Time Kit, which is a, a Danish startup, but also like based in uh, in San Francisco, and they raised money over there, went through an accelerator. Um, But I was just kind of like, I was there from pretty early on, but I never became a co-founder because I Mm -hmm. couldn't really decide if I wanted to double down on that or like my own projects. And so, Yeah.
0: So, and like uh, WP WP Pusher, what a name, by the way, (laughs) um, uh, basically kept growing during all that time and eventually decided, hey, let's go back into building my own products or like... How did yeah. that transition happen?
1: Yeah, it's like it. It was it was harder and harder to ignore it, right? Because it's still not enough to like support me full time, but it's still enough that you know the tiny seed money is going to last a long time if I want it to. Because it's paying like a big chunk of my my uh, salary right now, mm. and yeah, especially when you consider like how little time it requires, it's pretty nice.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, at what point, like? Did you decide to stop consulting and go full-time on was it like was branch like the next step after consulting or what did you do
1: yeah so um i actually they uh, the other startup i worked for they scaled down a, a bit so i knew for a while that i was going to be not going to work for them um for like i knew that for a couple of months and i was like i need to find a new thing this is like my time to work on a new project <clears throat> and i had the idea for branch in the back of my mind, I've had it for a few years, but it's like, who really wants to build like a continuous integration service if it sounds like <laughs> a pain to build, right? Um, but then, over the years, became more and more confident with tools like Docker and servers and stuff like that. So actually, about that time, I actually felt like I could pull this thing off. Um, mm-hmm. So I decided to give it a go, and that's when I built a prototype. And then, when I saw how that was basically received on Twitter, is around the same time. Um, that Rob started talking about Tinyseed. Um, so I actually reached out to Tinyseed quite early like way before they even started doing applications and started, started the talks with them. Um, so basically, I mean, I knew that if I wasn't gonna join Tinyseed, I'd probably have to like find some more uh, consulting work. but I basically decided to double down a branch and just like, see if I could impress them and just um, yeah, I could do that for a couple of months right because I had WP pusher on the side to help not burn all my savings
0: yeah yeah that's always nice <laughs> yeah you, mean, you touched I a little bit on uh the tech stack and being a developer myself that's always interesting to me like how does branch work like what's the what's the tech stack like how how what components play together oh man uh, <laughs> i think
1: i'm on the fourth version right now actually
0: oh interesting so,
1: yeah like the first version was literally. Um, just like you know, a loop that in, in a Python script that runs Docker run. So basically, just like plows everything into a Docker container. Um, I that was like one or two iterations, I think, on that thing. And that's kind of that's the version that I screencasted and put on Twitter when I started talking about it. And then when I saw how people kind of you know received how it was received on Twitter, and I, I actually I took a few um, prepayments for it as well, just to kind of like see if people actually. -hmm. Was going to be willing to pay for it. Uh, The funny thing, you probably wouldn't be surprised about this, but (laughs) like one of them out of six people is using the product right now, but not paying for it. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, you can't really trust those prepayments, but I think that's what people are kind of realizing these days. But yeah, then the next iteration. um, So one of my good friends is a really good uh, Python and Docker developer. That's like his stack. And he, he suggested that I looked into Docker multi stage, which is basically, it's almost like a poor man's or like a simple CI CD thing that's kind of inside of Docker. So mm-hmm. basically, you, you have one Docker file with multiple, basically, containers in it um, that you loop over. And that's like a really efficient way to basically build code. Um, so I built, again, like one or two versions kind of on that, uh, using that method. Um, and he helped me out, built that. And then he was too busy to finish it. And I had no idea how to basically deploy that stack um, and what he built with me. Um, and then... So, so basically, how it worked was, we had a little API that we've built, which would basically delegate all the work to the, the Docker server, right? Mm-hmm. Which was the build server. And um, so we had that thing and we kind of decide, designed this little API. And then it kind of occurred to me, like, is there a way that I could basically outsource this part of it, just like for the MVP? And I looked into Amazon um, and their like continuous integration offerings, and it wasn't really like their APIs wasn't really um, didn't really have the features I would need. Um, But then later on, I looked into Google Cloud, and they have like quite a few different tools that you can kind of string together. Um, and it ended up having almost the same API as the thing we built. So honestly, it took me like a day or like a couple of hours to migrate the whole thing to run on Google Cloud. Um, and then, you know, <laughs> that's like, it's just infinitely simpler. Yeah. If you can outsource a lot of that cloud server container work to someone like Google, And a 100 times more expensive probably than running it yourself. But for now, um, it's still worth it totally
0: yeah yeah definitely and
1: the thing is it's like super flexible so i'm still relying on the docker multi-stage build thing so i could just you know pretty easily build my own thing and just pull it out of google cloud it's not there's nothing in branch right now that's dependent on google cloud it's just like a utility provider right
0: Mm -hmm.
1: like plugged into that right now um yeah so that's pretty cool right now
0: that's cool and like is it a php application or uh, I heard python there um, yeah, so the, Python.
1: The, the app itself is Laravel. So it's like Laravel and a lot of UJS in there as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um,
0: I think, like, did you mention it on the last episode of Out of Beta um, that you used to be a Ruby on Rails developer? Is that true?
1: For a short time, yeah. That's kind of like how I started my career. <laughs>
0: Oh, interesting! Like you started as a Ruby developer and ended up as a Laravel developer.
1: Yeah, I uh, so well, I've done like WordPress stuff since I was in high school because it was like the easiest way to build websites and stuff like that. Um, But then back, like, I didn't really know about any PHP frameworks back then. I think Cake was around and maybe maybe Symfony was probably around as well, but I didn't really know about them. Um, And then I remember like stumbling upon Ruby somewhere online. Ruby on Rails, um, which is built by a Dane, uh, so <laughs> gotta support that. And uh, I remember I, I was on vacation with my parents. Um, it was like probably I I think it was after my first year in college or university, and I actually dropped out to kind of like work on my own projects and stuff like that. And um, while like working on something, I found Ruby on Rails while I was on vacation with my parents, and I. I spent like a week just like reading about it, and there was like a famous Rails tutorial where you build a Twitter thing. Mm-hmm. Like I don't remember what it's called, Michael something. He had like a, a Rails tutorial where you built a Twitter, and I was just really impressed by that. And it used testing and Git, and like all this stuff was kind of new to me. Um, so I I remember one of the things I did was I followed everyone on like Danish Twitter that I could find like doing Ruby on Rails. Um, and then one of them posted like a job uh, ad for like someone he was consulting for in Copenhagen. And I was like, well, I guess I, I just gonna, the like, opportunity. To, I'll just apply for it. And this like... So when I had the interview with them, it was like two weeks after the first time I even heard about Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they decided they wanted to hire me.
0: <laughs> nice.
1: And it was like those people working on that project is probably like the best Ruby and Rails developers in Denmark, at least mm-hmm. at the time. And they were consulting for this company, and I think kind of the idea was that like the the owner of the company would hire a junior, and then basically try to see if he could like pour all the wisdom from those consultants into this junior developer. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I was there for like almost half a year uh, until I realized that the reason I quit university or dropped out of university was to start my own business, not to have a job. So I quit actually. But until then, I don't I don't think I did anything like real. I don't remember like doing anything real. Um, except just like learning from these people, it was amazing, dude. I like the way they taught me was they they wrote unit tests for me, like empty unit tests, um, or like you know failing unit tests, and then they passed them over to me and was like, "Hey, like your job is to get this to green." Like, how amazing is that for like a junior developer to learn that way?
0: That's that's awesome. I never thought about doing it that way, but. Yeah, I can see how it works.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and then like after a while, that's probably like a year or two after that is when Laravel kind of came about. Um, So yeah, like five or six years ago, probably when I saw Laravel, like one of the first versions of it, I was really excited because it's like you know I can get I can use PHP, which I like, and it's what I like. I've been used for a long, been using for a long time, Um, but it looks like it can do all the same things that Ruby on Rails can. Um and now it's crazy like how much stuff you get with Laravel. Um so yeah, I was pretty early on that train as well. Actually when I started like freelancing and you if you Googled Laravel and Copenhagen or Laravel, Denmark, I think the five first results in Denmark was just me. <laughs> you know, me trying to start a user group, me trying to like see if there are other Danish people in the Laravel forums and like my own website. And so it's like, yeah, I started the the user group as well in Copenhagen, which I just got like an Meetup notification today. Someone else that I don't even know runs it, and it's like two hundred people for like a meetup oh. where I don't know like who they are, and it's something I start. It's kind of weird. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. But you live, uh, you don't live in Copenhagen anymore, right?
1: Nope, I live in Scotland in the UK.
0: How did that happen? Yeah,
1: uh, <laughs> it's not because of the weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like, my fiance is doing her PhD over here, and um, yeah. So at least while she's doing that, we're going to be living here enjoying the, the great Scottish outdoors and the cheap cost of living. I see. Okay, yeah. interesting.
0: But you mentioned before the call that you used to be a digital nomad for a while.
1: Yeah, I, I kind of did like accidentally. I really don't <laughs> like that, the phrase digital nomad. Um, but yeah, actually, I started WP Fisher when I was in uh, Thailand, in Chiang Mai. And uh, the reason I went out there was because I wanted to go to university there, actually, and do a master's degree. Um so in on um, during my undergrad, I did like a semester abroad in Morocco, and I just really, really loved it. Like I completely immersed myself in the culture. And like even today, a lot of my good friends are like Moroccans I met back then. Um, and then I was like, I wonder if I could do the same thing for my master's degree. So I found a really cool university in northern Thailand, and I applied for it and got accepted, traveled out there. and then, like a week before this university thing is going to start, we get an email and it's like, "Hey, there's like two people signed up, so that was me and my friend for this course. So we actually we're not going to run it." And it's like, <laughs> uh, "That's kind of awkward." <laughs> <laughs> so um, we just decided to stay in. I decided to stay in Chiang Mai, and then I just had some client projects and stuff. I started working on from a co-working space. I had the idea a WP Pusher, so I started working on that a bit as well. Um, yeah, so it was built built out there. I have some crazy war stories from Thailand <laughs> traveling.
0: <laughs> you could probably share them uh, sometime in the future. Like next time yeah. we meet, you have to tell them. <laughs>
1: yeah, man, over a pint. Some of that stuff is... Cr- I almost ended up in jail in Thailand, but that's a story for another time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. They
1: thought I was working illegally.
0: Which was kind of true if you were consulting from there?
1: <sighs> not really. When it's, I mean, it's not really... Yeah, that's a long story. <laughs> that's okay, a long yeah. story. That's that's a short answer. If yeah. there, like, if anyone is listening to this podcast and they're like, you know, digital nomads for like you know five six years ago, they can probably remember this thing because it's like you know we were like twenty people or ten people or something like that being shoved into a minivan and driven to the police station in Chiang Mai. The whole like co working space closed down. So <laughs> I think like. Old school, uh, just a nomad will remember this this story.
0: <laughs> oh, didn't hear about that yet, but like, uh, sounds like quite an adventure. <laughs> yep. So you mentioned you're part of Tiny Seed. Um, how's that going f- for you so far? Like, I think it's like five or six months in. Um, yeah, what are oh, we're your experiences? About
1: halfway through. It's been amazing. Like, I'm a really big uh, fan of Tiny Seed, it's uh, exceeded all my expectations, honestly. Um, Yeah, it's it's been really good, man. I I'm so happy I got that opportunity. The obviously the money is great. I mean, you it you can they basically buy your time, right? So you can do this full time and focus on your business. It's like it's kind of like a luxury. And then um, the community there is really good. We just uh, had our retreat in Croatia before Microconf, which was really good. It's good to hang out with people, and you know we have a lot of. really productive and um, constructive like masterminds every week and there's just a like like a really like strong sense of community that mm-hmm. I really appreciate um, there's also some really cool mentors um, I think I'm probably one of the companies that get less value from the mentors currently because it's I'm so early with branch it's like almost a little bit too early for tiny seed if the, the only reason they let me in is because I had W pusher right so i already had mm. some revenue and i had a little bit of a track record um but usually they like to see a little bit of revenue as well and branch was essentially pre-revenue when i joined and it kind of still is uh, only a few customers there mm. um so yeah it's pretty obvious like the things i need to do with the branch right now but like when you get a l- little bit further ahead and you have like you know a support person and like uh Paid ads thing going on and like all these different things. It's really cool. I think for those people to have the mentors in Tiny Seed because they're like experts in all these different things. For me, it's mostly like the motivational part. And like when I freak out, you know, I have Rob's calendar link, and it's like (laughs) that's unreal. Kind of you just like (laughs) schedule a call with someone like him, and he will like calm you down, and that's kind of (laughs) like. You also get paid to do that. It's insane.
0: <laughs> you get paid to freak out and get calmed down,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. That's like running a startup right
0: yeah so, <laughs> um you mentioned uh you do uh, weekly calls and stuff, like how much time does like just participating in tiny take away from building the product?
1: Not a lot um so the weekly calls is like an hour uh, an hour and fifteen minutes sometimes um and that's really that's really all there is to it, and like n- you know people pop in and out cuz maybe they had a like a demo or something like that that was scheduled at the same time so it's not like everyone like it's never everyone on those calls but it's most people um but yeah in terms of how much you get back and like you know whenever you get stuck with something and you just like jump into slack and someone will help you i think that makes up for it easily but yeah the the most like time expensive thing is probably going on the retreats mm-hmm. then again it's like a, business expense to like you know in january it's in key west i'm actually not going to go because i have way too much travel already this year um but it's like you get a business a business trip to key west or like croatia or whatever it's pretty awesome
0: yeah that's cool um especially if you have the money to pay for it which you kind of get as well so
1: (laughs) yeah i mean that's part of the budget i guess
0: yeah yeah so um what do you think where do you get the most value from? Like is it just the community or like um having the the money in the bank and being able to just sleep at night knowing that you won't go bankrupt in a month?
1: The money is nice, but it's like it's almost like these days money is almost a commodity, I think. Like you could if you're doing well with your startup, you could probably find someone to give you money. Hmm. Um what I think is really cool is I mean the the mentorship of the community and not so much like for me, as I mentioned, not so much, you know, like calling an ad AdWords expert, but more like the mentorship between like the founders and like the Tiny Seed team with Rob, yeah. Einer, and Tracy. Um and yeah, even like some of the investors are pretty active in the in the Slack and like super supportive. And yeah, that's the part that really matters for me. Um and it's been the most surprising I guess like how how I I remember before I joined tiny seat, one of my worries was like, what if it's a bunch of weirdos? Like, what if I don't, what if I don't like the other people? Like I I mean, honestly, it's, it's going to be a long year if you, if you don't get along. Yeah. you always just decide not to show up and just like, you know, get the money and kind of be an ass a little bit. But I mean, yeah. But I, I thought about that the other day, like I remembered having that worry. And then I just realized I, I hadn't come up once, like after, the program started because everyone has been super cool, and yeah, I think there is like there is like some shared values between people who choose to join something like Tiny Seed. Mm. Yeah.
0: So, what do you think that values are? Like, what what are the values people should have? Or like, don't kill do yourself.
1: <laughs> it's like a big one. Like I um like a couple of months ago, like we I shared this on the podcast as well. Like I was going through some kind of like rough times, like being stressed out. And you know, when you're running a thing and it's early on, like it's easy to freak out about like, is this gonna work? Like when is like these things I hope was gonna happen, when are they gonna happen? Um and one of the other founders in Tiny Seed, proposed that we set up like a hashtag wellness channel to talk about like mental health and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically because he was like, Peter, on the last cohort call, it was so obvious that you were freaking out and you were not in a good space. And I think it's really important for us to like talk about this and be like, like, let us know if like, there's anything we could do and stuff like that. And that kind of like, is just not what I expect for like, you know, it's like the traditional like VC track and like you know go big or bust or whatever it is and I don't know people have lives and it's like a big part of the tiny seats Slack like is people you know sharing pictures of their families and their dogs and like what they had for dinner and stuff like that and <laughs> um, and it's like you know when you share something like that you're basically saying I'm not working right now I'm hanging out with my family and I'm proud that like I'm doing this thing um, and people they They like
0: that. Mm, that's that's a nice community to be part of, yeah so yeah, you should think about like, joining, man. yeah, yeah, we should. Um, <laughs> we actually are thinking about it. Um, what I wanted to ask is, um, with the program being halfway done, um, what are your goals for like the next four, five, six months, the official end of the program?
1: Yeah. Um, my goal is the same as when I started. It's basically to get to product market fit and have like a solid group of like paying customers that are happy with the product and yeah, kind of like proof that this thing worked. (laughs) Because I feel like I've kind of like before I joined Tiny Seed, I kind of saw pretty good signs that people want a thing like this. And you know, a lot of people are already paying for CI/CD tools also in the WordPress space. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, I haven't really proved that I can build it, and people want to you know, buy my thing. Um, so I still have a lot of work to do, fortunately.
0: Well, um, and like, what happens if you don't make that goal? Are you going to shut it down or... They're going to gonna crush my it? company. <laughs> 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 no,
1: I mean, I'll probably have to pivot a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but to be decided, I guess.
1: I mean, I, I believe that I can make this work somehow. And I think it's a matter of like tweaking things and like building the right things and doing customer development and research and I mean there's the, the way I think about these things is there is a process you can follow. Like there mm. is a, there is a playbook. Um, and I mean unless you're building something completely crazy that no one has ever paid for, you if you're strategic about it and this is something Matt and I talk about a lot on the podcast, like if you if you're strategic about these things and you come up with a plan, follow it and then if it doesn't work you adjust the plan and you try it again and then like in in theory like as long as you have runway you can keep doing that and then eventually it will work um but it might be like you run out of money before that happens or you make you might have to do like a pretty significant pivot or something like that but mm. i mean there's not i don't think there's a world where i don't make like some sort of product work
0: <laughs> yeah
1: that's like that's the only that that's the thing i care about right now is doing that so I'll find a way
0: yeah so even if it takes a little bit longer than the next six months you just like keep going and yeah like the way i think about it
1: the the tiny seed like end of the tiny seed year is like their deadline or like that's a date they care about Mm -hmm. but this is only the start of my company um that's like an arbitrary date to me and it's like it makes sense for them to have like concrete goals and stuff for that but for me that's like an arbitrary date that doesn't really mean a lot like i mean yeah. some things are going to change because i'm um i'm not going to have like a tiny seed call every week but it's not like they're going to withdraw the money from my bank account <laughs> And if unless i start burning more than i do now i'll still have money left when tiny seed is over because until i know the thing that's working and where i can spend the money i'm going to sit on this money yeah. and i'm not going to spend it yeah. and probably a lot of investors would you know push you to spend the money mm-hmm. but uh i'm not ready to do it yet and uh, yeah people have strong opinions about these things but until i know like a good place to spend it i'm sitting on it mm, yeah
0: yeah that's, i don't that's know the next time
1: someone is going to give me 120k <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah that's true and i think one of the one of the concerns about tiny seed i have is basically you're in a good position with having something on the side that still pays a lot of your bills and um Gets, gets you some revenue but if you're basically joining it and basically having to burn through the investment just to pay for your expenses and let's say you burn all of it in that year what happens like do you have to go back to consulting again like after enjoying a year of working on your product and not quite working out um, but then I feel like going back into the old rut is, is a tough one.
1: I, I don't see it that way, but I mean, could be true. Um, like the way I talked to someone about this th- today, actually, and he would—he actually said he wasn't sure what, because he had revenue. So he was like, I'm not really sure why I need 100K. Um, and I was like, for me, like the way I see it, it's like, the question is, are you willing to essentially give roughly 10% of your company, get like, you know, an amount of money? and basically make a bet with that and it's like are you willing to risk at a slice of your company to like you know make a few big bets and see if they work out that's kind of like how i would see it and yeah like i think like your job in tiny seed is to figure out like and the, it's a whole year like that's pretty nice right you have a year to figure out what you're going to do mm. I, like if you don't make it work in a year like either either you have some sort of traction and you raise more money which is one way to solve the problem <laughs> or like you make it work and you start making money or something like that and then you can keep running it or you find out that it's actually a really bad idea and they made the wrong investment um, i don't like the, when i look at the companies in the batch right now i it's hard for me to see I'm not maybe I'm not talking about my own company right now, but it's hard for me not to see how they aren't gonna work out, like at least to some extent. And I think that's part of what TinyG does, like they invest in something that's already kind of like working out a little bit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, honestly, that's not what I would worry about right now. Like if someone is gonna give you money so you can work on your on your company and like keep doing your thing for a year, that sounds pretty good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. That sounds pretty good. That's good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I also get a referral fee.
0: No, I don't. (laughs) You do? Ah, I I see. (laughs) I I try to convince them
1: because I'm convincing a lot of people to apply.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So they are probably drowning in applications by now.
1: Um, I'm not sure what the numbers are, actually. The only thing I know is Rob said he wanted fewer applications this year because they were drowning last year.
0: (laughs) Uh, I'm not sure if that will work out for them.
1: (laughs) Well, fewer, but better, maybe.
0: Yeah, maybe. But uh, I have a feeling that like for us, it was like last year. We were like, mm, I don't know. Let's see how this works out. And this year, uh, we are really thinking about it, and we'll probably send in an application. So yeah, yeah, man. Good luck. I think it's only <laughs> only going to be more applications than you <laughs> especially like now that you see like what you're missing out on um because like a year ago it was like this yeah mysterious thing that nobody knows what's actually going to happen there and how else the, the community like how's the co- mentorship like and now you, there are people like you telling us what we're missing out on uh which i feel like is only incentivizing more people to apply
1: <laughs> yeah they uh, the fomo right
0: yeah you definitely.
1: get you want to join the cool parties
0: the cool party is true. Yeah, that was actually one of the reasons uh, at MicroConf. Yeah, always the, the cool group and the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, I'm well, sorry. Cool. Um, <laughs> I think if you don't have anything else you want to share, I think we should wrap it.
1: I, uh, I have some feedback for your list if you have time. No, just kidding.
0: Sure. Yeah, the, the, the message preview thing is uh, in the works.
1: <laughs> oh, this is something else.
0: <laughs> oh, interesting. What What is it?
1: <laughs> it's on a mo- mobile design.
0: Ah, yeah, the non-existing mobile design. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's something I should work on.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. I showed you in Croatia. Userlist is like my fourth visit, most visited page on my phone.
0: Yeah, and I think that's crazy, especially because it doesn't work on mobile very well. I check it
1: like fifty times a day, maybe. Honestly, yeah. Uh, I think that's probably around that
0: number. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I think I should just like uh fix the mobile version a little bit so it doesn't look as ugly as it does today. <laughs> yeah, the modals on uh mobile. The modals, yeah. I can see that that was horrible. <laughs> yeah. They are yeah. they're not even nice on uh, on the desktop.
1: <laughs> Everyone should use user list, it's a great product. I'm a big fan. <laughs>
0: Did the T-shirt make it to you? <laughs> Not yet. I'm uh, waiting for hopefully it. soon. Hopefully soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. Okay, then. Well, was nice talking to you. Uh, where can people find you online?
1: They can find me on Twitter, and my handle is Peter Zoom. So just my full name, and uh, they can find Branch at branchci.com. That's probably
0: and out of beta is out of beta fm.
1: Oh, out of beta.fm. That's the most important yes. one. That's
0: the yeah. fun one. Yeah, can definitely recommend it. I, I enjoy it very much. Awesome. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. Uh, it was very short notice, um, but uh, glad you could make it work. And um, yeah, talk to you soon.
1: Talk to you soon.
0: Bye.